Good afternoon, or I guess good morning, or hello to everyone. Uh, my name is Brian Trendler, and you are listening and now watching to the video and audio podcast, Shut Up and Laugh. I already mentioned who I am, so I'm just going to make you all wait for just a second before I introduce an amazing guest we have today, because I have a couple of broadcast sponsors that I want to thank. So... For starters, if you're jealous about hearing the names I'm about to say, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash shut up and laugh and click the sponsorship link and learn how much of your monthly Starbucks budget you can offer to give me so my kids, pictured right there behind me, can still maintain a house and home. But for starters, I want to thank um, Michael Piccolo from Compass Realty, uh, Marcel Allen of Dreamosity, uh, Linda Trendler of LT's Pet Sitting, Gentle Frog Custom QuickBooks Training, longest name in the industry, but Rachel Barnett is an amazing QuickBooks trainer, one of the best in the Pacific Northwest, rated incredibly highly. And if you want to become a newest sponsor on that list, please let me know. So without further ado, I get to go like that, and I get to welcome, well, yeah, I, I like to think you're a friend of mine from back in the day. Um, Gabriel Rutledge, everybody, he has joined us today for Shut Up and Laugh. Gabriel, how you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm all, I'm <laughs> cool. all right, man. One, once a coog, always a coog. Is that the rule? Is that that the... is the rule. That is the rule. That's, see, see, we were cougars when it was cool and not a 45-year-old single, potentially scary woman. That's true. Although I've, I've aged into a cougar being uh, age appropriate for me. So it's Your hair is lovely, by the way. <laughs> Thank it you. Is, it's radiant. And it could just be because of your golden, you know, silky things behind you. But that's, that's amazing. I may have walked around the house to see what gave me the best backlight. You know, it's possible. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. did that. Yeah. Uh, look, it's, uh, we're a similar age, I believe. What, what year did you graduate? 1990. You were 90, I was 92. 92. So yeah. look, if we have hair at this point, that's a victory. Do you know what I mean? That's, it's we're doing a, all right. It's a complete win. You have your, who's the, who's the book model that is always doing the whole dipping the woman over thing? Uh, our Fabio, perhaps? Yes, you are the Fabio of Capitol High School, just so you know, okay? <laughs> I am just thrilled because some of the people that gave me crap back in the day in high school, I do have more hair than them. And that makes me so happy. And that's why I do the quaff thing so I can ride all the rides and as well as just basically try to look like an aging hipster. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, that's literally why I started growing it when I was 40. And that's literally why I did it is yeah. because I'm like, if you can, I think you have to. So yeah. I, I, I did, I did it at 40 and then, you know, it becomes honestly as a comedian, it's kind of nice to have something, not that I'm the only long haired comedian in the world, but it's like when you're just another yeah. heterosexual, actual uh married white guy with children you're like with long hair though exactly exactly okay so <laughs> be, before we dive into the deep here by the yeah. way thank you so much you are episode 30 my man awesome i have made it and now i have checked you off my bucket list so i can pretty much just drop the mic and go home but then i am home in the podcast studio that no one can use um but it is what it is so um do you ever, okay, so before we dive in deep in a couple of questions and a little bit of background here, I just got to know, do you man bun? <laughs> I mean, you know, okay, here's the thing. These are important hashtag questions that your people have asked. Do you man I, bun? I have man bun. <laughs> 
once in college. It was an experimental time. No, uh, okay. I, I have man bund. It was windy. I don't need your shit, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, a, this is, I have said this on stage, but this is a 100% true story. I was on the road. Yeah. Uh, I put a man bun in. Okay. I, I went to a Starbucks. It was empty, except for the guy behind the counter. Oh, and, oh you're coming. <laughs> and he, just, he just goes, oh, are you here for the job interview? <gasps> yes. And tell me you said yes. <laughs> I, just started la I just started laughing. But I'll, I will also admit, last time I wore a man bun in public, I think. was What like, was the name they had you put on the cup? You know, <laughs> this, is like, <laughs> this is Raul or Jacques or something. Oh, my God. I, I personally, I, if I ever see you in a man bun, just so you know, I will strike you from my life, okay? <laughs> because you've got this look, and I love it, and I love seeing the videos that you post, or maybe you have someone who posted for you, whatever, when you look like you're 12 on stage, because you don't have it, and it, dude, this is, this is like, you're like what happened after the Geico guy lost his job. What, you know, after the caveman lost his job, he just went long hair and said, screw it, I'm going, I'm, I'm doing comedy, right? Yeah, it is, uh, it's funny because it's, if you, I suppose this is true with other characteristics, but any long haired guy with a beard, it's so odd. I mean, the people, the range of people that I allegedly yeah. look like, some of them are like, I can see Dave Grohl. You got yeah. me. You yeah. got me. But sometimes I'm like, it's oh, like Jesus and who else? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's my fitness goal, by the way, to, to just look like Jesus, not chubby Jesus. Yeah, that's my fitness goal. <laughs> but sometimes I'll get stuff like Chum Lee from Pawn Stars. And I'm like, that's oh, just no. hurtful. That's that just hurtful. hurtful. That is hurtful because he's a very <laughs> odd human being. You are fascinating from all sides. Um, <laughs> Okay, so for anybody who I don't, I, I find it hard to believe, and we'll get into this later, that no, that nobody's going to be like, who is Brian talking to? Who is this person? Why does he need work? Um, no, because you are literally, and this isn't even part of the background check that I, that I do, aside from the fact that you are Gabriel Rutledge, the one and only. Um, you're a stand-up comedian. You're a full-time stand-up comedian, which again, for some people, is unheard of, right? Um, you live in Olympia, Washington. Is that still yeah. the case? Yeah. All right. And again, we already covered it. Fellow Capital High School Cougar graduate. What? Yep. what? Who's doing anything with their degree? <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um, and <laughs> and you're also the author of a book called Happiness Isn't Funny, which I have read, and it's absolutely brilliant. Well, thank um, you. I did steal it from someone. I didn't download it. So I, I think it's I funny. owe you like eight bucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. You, you have a dossier of wins that is, I think, unheard of. Now, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm stroking you a bit too much here. You are holding that mic a little tight right now, which is kind of kind of creepy, I'll be honest with you. But you are like the past winner of both the Seattle International Comedy Competition and the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival in Atlanta. You've also apparently shut one of those down. Like, they canceled that portion of it after you decimated everyone, leaving limbs and, like, severed heads all over the place. I, I like that take. I'm not sure that's the case, but I Come like on. it's okay. First That's of all, rumor. just okay, just to let you know, okay, I I won the Seattle International. It's called that. There was a couple Canadians, so it's yeah. Seattle International Comedy Competition in two thousand four. Okay, so I, I was a young, a young thirty year old. 
And then I think 17 years, no, not that long, whatever, whatever 2017 is. Uh, don't ask me to, 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 to do math, especially. I, <laughs> I want, that was Laughing Skull. That's, okay. I did win the Laughing Skull and it was a competition. And then the year after I won, it's just a festival. And I don't know how to take that. I don't know how to take it like. There was no one left, Gabriel. You literally called the field. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can either say I'm like all-time champion or I can, or they're like Rutledge won last year. We need to make some changes. It's one you, of those two things. You, I was told that you single-handedly created about 35 therapy jobs. <laughs> there were people that were lining up at the local shops and there weren't enough chaise lounges to support all these comedians who just got their tuck is handed to them. So I, I like this. I like this. I like, uh, I like this uh, folklore. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. People were crying. There were tears. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, con contrary to popular belief, comedian tea tastes great. You know, <laughs> the tears. and oh, There we go. You've had tons of TV appearances. I'm just going to name a few because, again, I'm, I'm trying to build you up here because I haven't done appreciate a good it. job. Comedy Central, Live at the Gotham, Nickelodeon's Nick Mom Night Out, which I don't even know what that is, but it sounds like something my kids and I have to go experience. You were on Laughs on Fox, um, Inside Joke with Asif um, Ali. Is that I right? I believe it's Asif Ali. I believe Asif, that's how okay. you say it. So um, he's probably going to come after me now. Sorry. Um, and then, then you're, that, that's on Amazon Prime. So you've made it to Jeff Bezos' bank account. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dude, you're part of the 200 billion. That's another thing to add to your website. Yes, Jeff and I are doing very well recently. <laughs> As I'll a team. The, I'll send the $8 I owe you for the book to his <laughs> offshore account, okay? I appreciate it. Texas. Um, oh, my God. And then last but not least, can you tell your this audience here, mm -hmm. hopefully will will grow and not diminish after I don't shut up. You got three albums right now that are downloadable off of Sirius uh, satellite radio, uh, the uh, comedy radio, right? Uh, Twenty-four-seven. Yeah, that okay. that that one's probably not downloadable, but you know, uh, everywhere you can get them: Spotify, Listen. iTunes, okay. uh, and I actually I think it's it's four now because I just put one out uh, it uh, pretty recently called uh, um, "Good Luck in Court." That's the most recent one. Don't yeah. get the early ones. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, <laughs> they're all the same jokes, right? They, you just got better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. New titles, new titles, <laughs> updated pictures. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, I just love the fact that um, you were not funny in high school at all. Um, so <laughs> something happened and we're going to get into that in just a minute. But dude, you, you're just busting tail. And I think it's amazing. And I'll, I'll, I'll stop placating you because I know you're tired. And frankly, your head is getting bigger. The, the, the screen's adjusted three times. It's actually kicked us over. <laughs> this is, something's uh, happening here. You uh, may have, I, now that I hear you talk, I'm kind of too big for this podcast. What am I even doing you here? You are. You are. You should, I should be paying you, which again is not going to happen. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I appreciate the fact that you're willing to, uh, to uh, connect because um, for those of you who don't know, once again, I'm looking at the camera here, but normally this is just a podcast. This whole thing exists because people from the company I created with, with Marcel Allen Laugh Tech, standing for Learn About Funny Techniques, we will never do what you do. And you should thank me for that. You should actually pay me to stop ever trying to do what you do. 
because that's not our thing. There are so many people out there that are being seen and being heard but not listened to in business and in regular life. We do work with business people to become better speakers using humor, but we're working with kids a lot as well, to especially nowadays with distance learning and all this drama going on with the pandemic. There's an entire generation of kids that are in danger right now. And yeah, mine are getting weird. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, <laughs> look how we turned out. Um, we're, we're working with just a whole gaggle of age ranges and people have stories they want to tell. And that's why I've interviewed, you know, a cab driver. I've interviewed coaches. I've interviewed comedians, troublemakers like, like yourself, but just average Joes and Janes as well, because we all have stories. So in advance, thank you for sharing stuff with us today. Um, you ready for some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Let's have some fun with this. Um, <laughs> it's only an hour show and I'm looking at the time going, I talk too much. Um, Gabriel, you are referred within certain comedy circles as one of the funniest comedians out there who isn't famous. And I was warned that this might offend you and cause you to terminate our connection right now. But at the same time, I just have to ask you, do you get offended by that? Or do you wear that as a symbol of pride do you agree? Where does that come from and why? Oh man, this is a very, this is a very I good know. question, Brian. This is a I, very good question. I okay. would be quick. I'm so sorry. Should I give you dinner and a movie first? And maybe <laughs> no, it's, talk to you it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's a pandemic. We're going to get right to it. I know. Not gonna uh, it's interesting because first of all, there's a lot of, there's a lot of comedians who are in the sort of like, um, uh, how come you're not famous category. Yeah. Uh, I, so I'm certainly not the only one in that category. But of any sort of compliment, comedians, maybe people, but comedians have a special talent of taking any compliment and making it negative. <laughs> uh, well, do you, <laughs> yeah, you know, even after a show, someone's like, um, if they're like, if they say, uh, I really like the new joke that I, I really like that new joke. I never heard that one before. Yeah. A comedian will go like, oh, so my old jokes were shit. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Or, or, the, or the opposite. How come you never do that other joke anymore? And you're like, oh, I guess my new stuff is garbage. Okay, thank you for... And so there's a little bit of that that happens with, with the um, how come you're not famous. Yeah. And, but, first of all, thank you, people who think that. But, there's a lot of factors that go into that. In some ways, the only thing I can control is the being funny part. Yeah. Uh, and that's why you don't want to, the, the things that make me feel good are some of the things we mentioned, tangible things, mm -hmm. albums, books, things of that nature. Look, I made something. Uh, <laughs> These <but> two hands. <laughs> in, in some ways, there is, the way that we talk to people who have quote unquote made it yeah. is we, it's like asking lottery winners for advice. Uh, <laughs> meaning like, what's your secret? And they're like, I don't know. I used my kids' birthdays. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not applicable to what, and there is, so part of it is just, there's a random thing, mm -hmm. you know, most careers, in comedy, there is a coming of age performance. There's a moment. And I, I've had some moments, but I've never had that moment. I've never had a thing where like the next day everything changed. So it's like this slow 
gradual building thing of, yeah. of, of, of like a career and I pay the bills with it. And, you know, I do all kinds of stuff with it, but it's like, I've never had that. Uh, I've never had that. Uh, and then everything changed moment. Yeah. yeah. But I will say, uh, it's interesting to not be able to live up to the expectations of your fans <laughs> because it's it, it, it's almost like well you know i saw fill in the blank had a netflix special it wasn't nearly as good as you know all those things that comedians hear yeah. and yeah and it's also part of it is um you'll even see this on youtube not with me with other people they'll be like people will put their special on youtube and the comments will be like how come this isn't on netflix yeah and the reality is, reality of that is you just saw it on YouTube. So who cares yeah. if it was on Netflix? We're yeah. still, we're still putting, we're still putting uh, uh, importance on where you saw a person. And I get, I get that too. I'll see yeah. a band and think, why aren't they bigger? But it's also like whether or not you saw me on Netflix or at a casino in Oregon, our paths have met. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, are, yeah. we we've had our moment together, and so it you know it is it's a weird thing to um. It it's a weird and also at the level of fame that I'm at, which is not very low, it's the my my feedback is is um the advantage of it is my feedback is mostly positive. Yeah. Because. Yeah it's people who know who I am and anything I've had a, a, a clip go viral on Facebook that was like millions of views. And that was my first time where I'm like, Oh, people hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overwhelmingly positive, but still it, it yeah. wasn't, people didn't go to my page and find my comedy. It was, it yeah. got thrust on them. Exactly. And they're like, they who's this guy? You know, and pass it on too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it is a weird thing to, um, so I don't, I don't hate, uh, that people think I should be famous, but I also, um, it is a weird, it is a weird, I don't want to say cross to bear, that's way too grandiose, but yeah, it's a weird, sure. it's a weird uh, a thing. And it's also, some of that's my fault. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not great at the things you're supposed to do sure. to take it to the next level. And let's also be honest, you don't live in Olympia, Washington. If <laughs> I used to. <laughs> <laughs> You don't live in, I mean, if you, if you want a career in graphic design, you don't live in Olympia, Washington, let alone show business. So, yeah. so you know, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not the best at schmoozing the right people and saying the right stuff. And, you know, when, even when I won Laughing Skull Festival, uh, I got, I got the Amazon Prime thing from it. But I mean, people I beat were on the Tonight Show and got Netflix specials. Yeah. And, you know, what I mean, I'm not, part of that is my fault. I'm not, uh. It, I, I'm not necessarily doing the right things, but I'm also 46, and you just, after a while, you sort of accept that as your. Uh, that's <laughs> what I soon. <laughs> no, come on. No, no, no. no, not like that. But I just mean like, uh, I just mean like, oh, I don't know. You start the first ten years of my comedy career. Uh, it's it's like where am I going? Where's this going? And and then and you know I'm at 20 now, and I would say the last 10 I still want to go places, but it's also like okay, this is what it is. Yeah. Let's enjoy it. Let's uh, at least enjoy what I do have, you know. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue. I literally couldn't have scripted that out better if I tried. 
where do you envision your career going? And I say that because you keyed in on a couple of really important things. You're not lazy. You're just an Olympia. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's not that you're not talented because you are obscenely talented, but you've made decisions along your career, whether it's contests or certain shows, et cetera. So again, where do you see your comedy career going or where do you want it to go? You know, it's interesting because... Um, Please don't tell me you just applied at Walmart. <laughs> no. <laughs> Interview over. <laughs> It's well, it's interesting because I think I think pandemic changes that a little bit because sure. uh, partly it's just like, oh, I just want to go back to what it was before. You know what I mean? That sounds like a huge victory right now. But it is um, it is. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know what uh, I don't know where I want it to go. My very vague goal since I started this was I want to do what I'm doing right now, but a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, what, that's actually your business plan. That's actually a lot like, like mine. It's just one sheet of paper. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, it's literally whether that means getting funnier or like doing what I do now, but making a little bit more money, uh, all those things. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very vague, but it, it, and that's why the pandemic has been kind of hard, especially at times where there was no comedy for a really long time where it's like, I don't even know who I am because, uh, the thing that I've been trying to do for all these years is sort of on hold, but yeah. it's, I, I have, um, look, there's, I'm not just saying this to be, to be uh, melodramatic, but there's a good chance that many of the things that I wish would happen, let's say uh, uh, a late night television appearance, mm -hmm. uh, let's whatever Netflix special. It, there's a, better than good chance none of those things are ever going to happen and i'm not saying that like oh i'm giving up yeah. or but look i'm 46 and mm -hmm. like those i need those things are those things are frosting on the cake i still have the cake i'm yeah. still do you know what i mean i'm still uh this to be a professional comedian for i mean i've been doing it for 20 years but professional for 15 16 years That's i mean what what an incredible loophole in adulthood. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, I can't live. It's hard to be in a business where the next level of success seems so obtainable because it's yeah. your friends and colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. It, but I can't just walk around feeling like a failure uh, because I'm not at whatever the next level is. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I'm not shutting down goals, but I'm also, I have to be able to live in the moment a little bit. I think if anything, a pandemic will teach you that. Absolutely. Uh, I have to be, I mean, I'm doing like backyard shows right now, mm -hmm. which look last summer, if I booked a bunch of backyard comedy shows, I would have been like, what is happening in my comedy career? Yeah, exactly. But this year I'm like, these are fun. It's, it's you know what I mean? It's all about the frame of reference, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it would have felt like a literally a backstep, but now it's like, I got to leave my kitchen table. Yeah, you know exactly. I, mean? exactly. I get to go into someone else's backyard, not be chased out with the broomstick <laughs> and actually entertain. So yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing because I love how you also put it in perspective. Like my business partner, Marcel, I think I drive her a little crazy at times because she wants to have a, 
a, a bigger, a more grandiose vision of Laugh Tech, for example. Mm -hmm. My answer of what do you want, where do you want to be in two years? I'm like, I want the roofs to still be over my head. I want yeah. my kids to still have clothes on their back. I want to not be able to not have to work 80 hours a day and die at age 50. And I'm two years ahead of you, brother, you know, from an effing heart attack and leave no, them destitute without a father. My idea of success is a lot different. I would much rather positively affect people whoever listens to this whoever watches this whoever is affected by our laugh tech workshops and trainings and engagement sessions and even the comedy nights that i brought you on the stage you blessed us with that opportunity right and of course i'd pay you but <laughs> backyard or not <laughs> yeah I mean, exactly i'd rather be left with just a little enough to get by because i'm the same way you are i don't think i'm ever going to get super popular or whatever i just want people to show up at my funeral you, you ever do you, <laughs> well that that took a turn at the end uh, do you ever have you ever watched rounders brian yes i have yeah okay uh I don't, hopefully everyone will get the reference but there's there's a guy in rounders who they call him the grinder right because he he's a professional poker player yeah. but he never takes the big shot he never goes. He never goes to like the the the, the World Series of Poker. He never gambles too much. Mm -hmm. He and I I do feel like that yeah. sometimes. I feel like the grinder. I feel yeah. like uh you know there's people who move their family to L.A. to do comedy, and I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna do that. That's I put them through enough. I'm not gonna. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I I do. So I do feel like that. And I will also say, uh, most of the things that are in my life right now that are important weren't necessarily my idea yeah and so i'm always <laughs> conscious of that with goals too if i would have gotten everything i wanted before age 30 none of this would be here yeah do you know i didn't i did well i had a i had a kid at 28 so i'll, I'll change it a little bit to like 26 if i would have gotten those goals like i didn't i did my wife and i didn't want children uh i wanted my band to make it uh you know, there's certain jobs I applied for it didn't get. And it's like, if, if any of those would have been yeses, mm -hmm. I think that my life wouldn't be as good it is, as it is right now. And so it, it's an interesting thing to, um, to say, uh, to look back and go, wow, thank God I didn't accomplish all those goals, yeah. uh, which yeah. sounds counterintuitive to a, uh, you know, uh, a life that you want to live. But I, I, you know, I'm, I, I also think about that where it's, it's, um, you know, I didn't, it didn't, I, I didn't plan on having three children. Yeah. Yeah. Once you have three children, you can't imagine your life without them and you can't, you know what I mean? It's, 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 uh, so that's why it's, it's hard for me to be like, these are the specific things I want yeah. in comedy because there's maybe there's something around the bend that hasn't even been thought of yet. Yeah that uh oh. no, you know no no one talked about podcasts when i started comedy it yeah. didn't exist well, po podcasts were like a dirty four-letter word yeah you know, five six years ago and suddenly yeah. it's back now um you and, and and by the way this now explains why your kids are named whoopsie what and oh hell no so i mean <laughs> this, this all makes a lot more sense now like oh that's what that's, yes my uh, my my third kid's uh, original name was are you serious <laughs> Is that French? Um, so you tell me about your growing up. Tell me about 
how you face the day to day. I know you have, you know, I know you have family. I know, you know, that that is a lot of where your humor comes from, but how has Gabriel gotten to where he is today with your style of humor? Because dude, you are an amazing crowd worker. You are a storyteller through and through. You are a visual artist um, because you're very expressive. Like when you go big eye, you know, you light up a room and people, and some people are like, oh, you know, depending on where you are in the country, right? Like it's gonna snap. But you have such a unique style of humor about you. How did this all come about? Because like I said, I remember Gabriel from high school, totally different person. So, I mean, what was it like growing up? Were your parents funny? How have you gotten to this state? Okay. No, I don't look. My parents aren't not funny, yeah. but yeah. but they definitely are not. Uh, my dad's kind of a shy and quiet, mm -hmm. uh, and I wouldn't say my mom is particularly hilarious. I honestly feel like a lot, maybe this is just middle child stuff, but it oh, was like yeah. it, it's like how did I end up with my personality? I sort of felt like in my family, someone's got to say something. Do you know what I mean? Like you're like so, it's gonna be me. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> my 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 older my older brother graduated the same year as you. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, very quiet, very serious. You know, computer science major. John, right. You know what I mean? What's that? John, right? Yep. Yep. Do you guys so, talk? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you guys are like so different from each other. No, we we definitely are. But yeah, we talk. Oh my God. Uh, okay. But yeah, it's uh. So yeah, it it doesn't. I'm not a person whose comedy career came out of uh some sort of incredible hardship or uh or, or like that but i do i do there is some of that uh there's some of that and also this is oh, this is probably this is deep but i guess this is a podcast for it is it's it's you know how you you when you everyone's story of origin which is a term i learned in counseling uh <laughs> everyone's everyone's story of origin uh, is going to affect them some way or another. Who yeah. knows what my kids will be? God only knows what they'll be telling their counselor. But the my youngest brother is uh, he, he's Down syndrome and also had he had seizures, mm -hmm. uh, and so he functions. He he's what am I? I'm 46. That means he's 44 now. But he functions kind of like a one year old, mm -hmm. and he has for you know. Er, our entire life yeah. and when i when he he was very young and i was young he was in and out of the hospital he was almost dying all the time it was very i can't as a parent now i can't even imagine how stressful that was for yeah. my parents you know sure and so it's funny because if you i would say like oh my childhood was great no problems at all and then i i went to counseling one time she asked about my family i explained about my younger brother oh, and no. and, the, and the counselor goes so in a weird way it's never been about you has it <laughs> And Q I waterworks. I, oh my dude, Brian. I was like, what? I just this isn't even about a, my parents doing anything wrong. They did the yeah. best they could with an incredibly difficult situation. But I had I'm, I gonna, I'm gonna hand you the doll. Okay, you tell yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I never even thought about that. I never oh, even God. thought about so I do think there's some there is a part of me that is doing that likes to perform in front of people because I, it's a way to make it about me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I also was, I was raised very uh, evangelical. Oh, uh, Christian. I know that. <laughs> and I think part of that, you know, at least the impetus to do comedy, it was like just going on stage and swearing was exhilarating. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. When, when, when you're, I don't, you know, 
I'm like a PG 13 rebel. Cause I didn't, I didn't even have to re rebel that much compared yeah. to my like super conservative upbringing. So it was like, it's uh, all those things go in there, but it's also, um, it's, it's also, uh, you know, like I said, people will say very nice things after comedy shows. Sometimes it's too much for, it's too much to handle. Actually, they'll be like, whatever. My mom died a couple months ago. I haven't laughed in a couple, you know, big, heavy, heavy ah. things. And I think it's so hard to take in as a comedian because like I said, the impetus to do comedy is feels so selfish. Yeah. That it's just like, you know, to be a comedian, you're just like me, 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 me. And then when yeah. someone says you blathering about yourself, like it's almost too much to take in because, yeah. but I, that's another age thing that does feel, um, it does mean more to me now yeah. to, to yeah. be, uh, look, I still want the goals that we were talking about, but it's also like when your stamp on the world was uh making people laugh more how is that how what could be better it is what could it is be better it is a true gift man and again i have watched you on stage again too many times i'm a, I'm a creepy stalker um and anytime I, I anytime i can't see you live i don't actually watch you i watch the audience and again it's part of how marcel and i do our jobs as engagement coaches but my God, man, people, I have seen people go from literally like hovering over their drinks, depressed at the bar and they'll turn around and they'll witness you and they'll sit up straight and they'll start laughing so hard. You can tell they're getting a sugar to alcohol, the dopamine ratio that is not healthy at that moment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but you change people when you get on stage. Yeah, like, I don't. Yeah, and I to make it not just about me because I'm no, no. I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with that, but I do I do feel like um a good comedian on a good night changes the chemistry of the Absolutely. room. Absolutely. And in a very small way can change the chemistry of that person's life, perhaps not permanently, but it's like you know I've known people uh who have died, which of course we all have. Yeah. But it's funny to think, it's not funny, but it, it, it means something to me when I think back, you know, there was a, a sort of an acquaintance that died when he was 40, just one of those random heart mm -hmm. attack things that keeps everyone up at night, like, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. he died, he died yeah. at 40 years old. And it's, it's funny because it, I, I had the thought, he had seen me do comedy two times. Mm -hmm. And I had had the thought, okay, I I made his life better by two hours. Those two hours he saw me do comedy were like on the good side of his life. Yeah. And it's like, to, when you do the good versus bad math at the end of anyone's life, if you were somehow able to add to the pro side, that's I mean, it's, it's an incredible, I mean, that's why I feel, I was raised evangelical and that is why I feel feel evangelical about comedy i feel like it's a calling i feel well, it explains like the jesus thing too so I mean, <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly it's all making sense all the pieces are coming together 
but wow. I, I feel like that eh? yeah. where it's like there's there was times in in the beginning where it's like you know I had children and I had no money and I'm gone way too much and it's like why are the answer to why are you doing this is because yeah. I can you don't understand it to yeah. have a superpower and not use it <laughs> you know yeah. to, to have to be one of those people who is blessed enough not not from the get-go but through hard work and working on it to be able to to be a person who can can change the chemistry of the room to just give that up for a more uh, traditional life is yeah. like uh, oh, no. that's selling out to me. That's you know? why you're in backyards right now. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And even that, because we don't know what's on the other side of this pandemic as far as what comedy clubs are even open and what the landscape is going to look like yeah. or how long away that is. But I'm so close too, right? Because phase two and then phase two switched and backpedaled and I had to cancel crap and you were probably seeing my post going, that guy's a nut. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm doing, I don't feel great about it, but I'm doing comedy through a pandemic yeah so of course i'm going to do comedy on the other end of the pandemic do you but know you're what I mean? also providing an escape for people right you're yeah. providing that levity that so many people don't have i mean i i'm impressed with the stats not about covid related things but the fact that divorce rates aren't higher you know what i mean i'm not saying you're responsible for marriages but i mean it's it's remarkable that people are finding different outlets to just you know maintain their sanity and yeah, the fact that you can, dude, that's that's an amazing gift. And, and it's it's in in the same way that like COVID, especially in the beginning, you're like, oh, these grocery store workers are so important, and we just took them for granted, which is is uh, you know, any essential type thing. Um, it is kind of comedy, kind of had that too, where it's like, not that we were essential, certainly it's not, but it's the the fact that like oh, we need to be entertained as part of a balanced life. Yeah. And even, you know, I thought about that all the time when, you know, everyone's watching Tiger King or everyone's in the real lockdown times. Yeah, It's like everything people are using to escape this moment was made during a different time. Mm -hmm. We're sure. literally not able to make the things to help us escape right now. It's all, you know what I mean? It's all, but it's also... It's that entertainment was borderline essential too. I mean, I don't know how they did it in 1918. I guess they read books, but can you imagine getting through this time with no television or no music or no comedy or no, you know? It's terrifying. That's yeah. Terrifying, especially kids today who are used to the instantaneous society suddenly feels like they've been knocked back to the Stone Age. So it's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, Gabriel, I want to not segue, but go into one more question question that has okay. a couple of small parts and then um, a couple more quick things before we do the James Lipton nod also. Okay. Um, you have been called out by, once again, a number of your comedic friends as one of the most gracious, kind, and helpful comedians out there. Now, first of all, let me preface. I, I I typed back and said, "No, Gabriel Rutledge." I was like, I, I wanted to make sure that they knew he, who they were talking about. But you are one of the most helpful people to new comedians, 
the green ones out there. Grab the mic wrong, hold it wrong, shove it down their throat. It's, it's I mean, these people that are green. You help them and you kind of aid them and support them. My question is, why? And that's not a joke. Why do you do that? And then who helped you? Who did you look up to or who looked out for you? Well, I think the first, the first answer, the first to answer the first question is, yeah. is like, why do I do it? Is like, it's just, I think I just love comedy. Yeah. And so um, I don't give advice to everyone, but if it's, if it seems like if I at least have somewhat of a relationship with that person, mm -hmm. um, uh, if I can see a thing that they're doing that maybe I used to do or, you know, the comedy advice, sometimes it's the holding the microphone. Like you said, it's very like basic or, or I don't, I can't even tell you how many times I've told the person who opened for me, not at a comedy club, but let's say yeah. a bar or something like you weren't standing in the light. You have to yeah. stand oh, in yeah. the light. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it's real basic stuff. And sometimes yeah. it's, it's like, hey, like in, we call them tags to a joke. There's sure. like the punchline and then a, another line that's funny after that one. We call that the tag and we give each other tags all the time. And mm -hmm. it, it, it can be that. It can be about the, the, the economy of uh, a language. Like you're talking way too much before you get to the funny part. Yeah. You know, so th those are things that, um, uh, I, I just, I, you know, I, again, not in a sort of a, I don't just walk up to strangers and start giving them advice, but if I happen to be working with someone would you or whatever. Please and record that? <laughs> uh, but I would also say, uh, I think I remember people doing it for me. That's yeah. one of the reasons <clears throat> is um, it not even necessarily uh I don't even remember what they said necessarily, but when you're starting and someone who is uh, at the headliner level talks to you, I mean, there, there were times, there were times a, a compliment kept me going for a half a year. Yeah, yeah. That just someone would say to me like, hey, you're getting really good or the, the, I love that joke. And you're just like, that was enough to get through six terrible shows before you went on before karaoke at some bowling alley. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> And so I do remember that, and I do, um, I, I do think about that. And I didn't come into comedy being that familiar with stand-up comedy. I started, yeah. I started in 2000. I mean, I knew who George Carlin was. I knew who Chris Rock was. I know, you know what I mean, but I didn't, I wasn't really a student of it. And so a lot of the people who sort of showed me how to do it were Northwest headliners. Some of you've had on this show, like Kermit Appeal and Brad mm -hmm. Upton and David Crow. And I know these are not names similar to mine. These are not names that are, are certainly known around the world, but it was like, they were the first guys. And in a weird way, it was, it was, it was like, Oh, these guys live whatever they live here they live in seattle or tequila or some you know what i mean and they have a family and they're able to make this their job that was more important to me than chris rock or george carlin because it was sure. like more it was more obtainable it was like oh it can be done it's incredibly difficult to do but it can be done there's a uh, there's a legitimacy there right yeah and i also remember <clears throat> i went to a lot of you know you go to open mic in the beginning and a lot of the you're sort of comparing yourself against other open micers yeah you're like oh you know you kind of grade yourself after every show like i think i was in the middle i think i was in the top third of those 30 people who did three minutes you know 
And then I remember one night I showed up to an open mic and it was, it was a benefit I didn't know about. And there were like, like Brad Upton was there. Uh, and this is, you know, this is like 2001 or 2000. Mm-hmm. And um, I, Dave Crow was there, who was another Seattle. And I never, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know you could do that well. Yeah. I'd never seen, I'd never seen that, the thing you're talking about where you turn around at the bar and the chemistry to the room changes. Yeah. I've never seen, it feels like, th- this is what a good comedy show feels like. It feels like this. That sound of like just everyone's attention coming together. I had never seen that. I didn't know, I didn't know you could make them laugh the entire time you were talking. I didn't know. And so like those guys are, uh, uh, you know, those Northwest headliners sort of are my Carlin, Chris Rock, Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so it's uh, those guys, not really in words, but just I would do gigs with them and I would, yeah. I would. Um, support, right? Yeah. And Kermit Opio is another guy I saw really early on who, I mean, he's a legendary nicest guy in the world. And uh, he was so, Kermit taught me this is going to sound bad but he taught me how to do a bad show because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, if you're a Northwest comedian, you know, we travel and we do a bunch of fun, exciting gigs, but also anything where you sleep in your own bed is like a win. Right. So you, we do some shows that are not great. You know what I mean? It's, it's Wednesday night on a, in a casino floor, you know, next to a a machine going ding, 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 ding. You know, it's, it's not. And I just would watch Kermit, just sort of downshift and take it even slower and turn that disinterested room into like at least half interested 10 minutes in and like make it a D he turned terrible shows. Okay. Yeah. Which believe it or not is way harder than making a good show. Great. (laughs) You know, so all those guys just from watching them and they would, you know, they would give me tags and advice also. And so I, those guys kind of showed me how to do it. And I, there is a, a, a brotherhood and sisterhood of, of, of comedy that I do, I do take, uh, I do take seriously of, yeah. of, of passing that on. Or I see people who I think are good enough to, you know, I don't get to just bring whoever I want with me on the road, but sometimes I do. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring them and I'll try to give them opportunities and uh, everything. You're, you're paying it forward. I, yes, exactly. Yeah, and I, I, I do it. It, almost from TV shows to festivals to gigs to everything, almost everything I've gotten in comedy is from another comedian. I love that. Yeah. And you, don't, you might not realize that a year in. You don't realize, oh, all these other assholes in this room are going to be the ones who make my career. <laughs> but I, I think recognizing it as early on as it sounds like you did allowed you to immediately start rinse and repeating that process of support, like you said, the brotherhood and sisterhood. And I think that's why that was the resounding report back I got from about a dozen people I reached out to. You're loved out there, brother. You oh, I, I appreciate loved. that, man. I, I, that, that's nice. I could also be completely lying right now. And you'll never know. That's the magic of the internet. So. <laughs> exactly. I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. So um, last but not least, um, mm-hmm. you have a show coming up. You have a recording coming up. Oh, yeah. It starts with D and ends with Rybar Comedy, I think. Tell us about that. I am going to be the drunkest guy to ever do Drybar Comedy. 
uh, yes. Yeah. Big though. <clears throat> it it can be. I mean, yeah. it, there's a thing that even if you don't know it's called dry bar comedy, if you're on Facebook, it's yeah. probably showed up. Yeah. Uh, in your timeline, it's it's a uh, it's a company that makes clean comedy specials, and uh, it gets a lot of eyeballs. And I'm doing that's kind of why I'm doing all these backyard shows is because I I, I on September 25th I'm recording it. And I had no other shows in September. I'm like, I can't go into this recording having had three to four weeks off. Yeah. Now, are so, they flying you out in a hazmat suit and you're going to be at an empty stage with a bunch of cardboard cutouts? Or what, or what's, what are we looking at for the, uh, for the uh, setting? I'm flying out. It's limited seating, which is okay. not really a thing you want to hear about your, yeah, your you taping. Yeah, you never you know, so I'm I'm a little to open up. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little. Don't get me wrong. I've recorded most of my albums with a half-filled room, but <laughs> video seems a little different. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a you know I don't. And to circle back to the other question of like I should be more famous. Like I haven't made the best choices. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I'll I'll do just to be brief. I I in 2007. Uh, I was at the HBO Comedy it's Fest. Church. You to, you're not paying penance right now. Uh, at the HBO Comedy Festival in 2007, a guy came up to me and he was like, because we all thought we were going to get TV or Comedy Central or something great mm -hmm. out of it, you know. And this guy comes up to me after a show and he was like, I'm thinking, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready Here for whatever, go. you know. And he's like, uh, do you, how would you like it if your CD was available in Flying J truck stops? around the country <laughs> and i was like what but i was also like okay yeah you know so <laughs> that guy i sold an album i had already had a recording i sold it to him for a thousand dollars he it was going to be in flying j truck stops it ended up being a compilation me and another comedian the the album <laughs> the album is called domesticated party animal oh my god it has four girls in bikinis on the cover yes and you and, and Bun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was much squarer looking that's then. That's true. That's true. So <clears throat> I thought, okay, this is pretty embarrassing, but whatever. It'll be in a Flying J truck stop. Who cares? It's on the internet now. I mean, it's it's on my it's on Pandora. It's you can buy the album, and it, even if it wasn't embarrassingly titled and and had embarrassing graphics, it's not material I even want out there anymore. But it's like, and I got you know I got the I got a thousand dollars. And, and then I told someone else about it a couple of years later and they're like, Oh, I did that too. But at least I got $3,500. And I'm like, okay. You're like, son of a <laughs> Yeah. So I have that in my background. So when dry bar comes to me, they came to me early. Really? And they were like, do you want to do this? And I just, I thought, you know, to be honest, it's a company that at the time was being sued by, by, by some movie studios because it's a Mormon company that would like, it would clean up the DVDs so you could rent them to families, right? Yeah, yeah. Without permission. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened with the legal case. But so I just thought, okay, this sounds sketchy. And the I, to be honest, being a church kid, the idea of like finally comedy Mormons could enjoy didn't really appeal to me that much. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to be smart for once in my life <laughs> and I'm going to say no. <laughs> and then I watched my colleagues just blow up with millions and millions and millions of yeah. views and yeah. so it was like it was like oh, okay perhaps i uh uh and then i was supposed to do it in march and uh, uh that one didn't happen obviously but so i am excited to do it now uh, is the time man 
I, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it could be, you never know. It's, awesome. it's, I can't wait to see it. I have a new Samsung TV. I don't even know there was such thing as Samsung TV, which is a whole crap load of channels and channel 586 or something is dry bar. Oh, really? That's cool. So I cannot wait to see you on my big screen, which is a lot better than how you've been through my binoculars uh, in uh, certain events and whatnot. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm glad that those drapes are, Brian? <laughs> are pulled right now. <laughs> All right, my man. Um, What's the one thing you want to leave us today about you, about Gabriel Rutledge? Ooh, uh, I'm trying. You're trying. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a backyard, I want to fill it. I'm trying by Gabriel Rutledge, right? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I yeah. I uh, I don't know. I don't have a. I don't have a. Not you know. I don't have a, a, a one thing that springs to my mind, but I. Uh, I, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. You, you tell me yours. Well, I, you know, actually I, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to go dark before when I said, I'm curious as to who would show up at my funeral. I totally didn't. That's actually a very serious statement because there's, sure. there's an entire series of, uh, you know, talks about that. I just want to impact people positively, pure and simple. And, and it sounds weird, it does sound morbid, but if they were to take the time and even drive from say Olympia yeah. up to wherever the heck they put me down, right? Or ashes or whatever, honestly, that would be a huge high honor to have people get together and talk about ideally, <laughs> there can be the negative day and then there can be the positive yeah, day, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> to bury half of Ryan on that day. Yeah. No, just stick, just a, stick around for the after funeral. That's yeah, when shit gets exactly, real. Exactly. But <laughs> to have people share or acknowledge an impact to me would mean the world. So, like I said, don't mean to go dark. I, I don't. I don't consider it dark. I consider it a high honor. So, yeah, I, that's I, the answer I would give. <laughs> I think in comedy, yeah. the, the the again, it's a vague thing, but I just I think I have this now, and I take a great deal of satisfaction in that. I I want to be known as a good comedian in the industry. That's a very vague thing, but it's like there's people who there's people who, uh, I don't want to say the word real, because I don't know what a real comedian is, but I do think, I think that, uh, I think I have respect among my peers, and that means a lot to me. Yeah. I think as a parent, um, I think, I thought about this a lot, and because uh, there's, you know, there's a ton of scary things when you're a parent. You're like, mm -hmm. I hope my kids don't struggle with addiction. I hope, there's so many terrifying yeah. things there could be but i i really hope that my children end up being capable of giving and receiving love i love that that Absolutely. because it's it's harder than you would think <laughs> well and again as a father of a now eight and soon to be 10 year old i am right there with you yeah and it is true this is why they, you have two kids in case one doesn't work out your odds are better because you have three or so i mean <laughs> right. well done um, okay, um, Gabriel, thank you so much for participating today in the questions portion and being honest and having sure. fun with me and hopefully <laughs> educating some people out there, maybe even driving some sales to your book that's online. Um, you, do you want to have fun real quick with the James Lipton nod? Sure, let's do it. Okay, so these are one word answers. No one ever gives one word, but 
it's nice to say that to see if you right. can. Um, the first question is kind of a simple one, but what is one of your biggest pet peeves? I don't know if it's one or two words, but speakerphone. Yes. Me it's, too. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. At it, like at an airport? Yeah. Where they're just yeah. like, hey, how are you? I'm like, I don't, what is happening? Why are we all involved in this? This is the worst. I just walk up and start engaging. I start answering for them. You know? <laughs> That's a good all right. idea. Um, what, is, what is your favorite place that you've traveled to? Well, you know what? Sounds corny, but I'm, I'm going to go with the first thing that came to me, home. There you go. Because I, I've, I've not necessarily this year. I've been, saying, I've yeah. been saying on stage I used to miss my children when I traveled, and now I miss missing my children. <laughs> but uh, the, because I've traveled so much, yeah. the, the, feeling, the feeling of going home is so – it doesn't last, but the thought of going home – is great. And then follow up to that would probably be Pakistan. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. So the sweetest answer to camels. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Um, all right. Last question. If you could be known for one thing only, what would that be? Um, hmm. Man. Uh, Man, that's a surprisingly, deceptively hard question. Uh, I think uh, you know, I, I it's the same as uh, it's the same as my vague goals. Uh, I think uh, you know, outside of my family and relationships, I would like to be known as a comedian and. There you go. So uh, I guess I'm already accomplishing that. No higher praise to yeah. someone who tells jokes and do a microphone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Outstanding. Okay. Um, Gabriel, once again, thank you so much for taking the time. Sure, to buddy. Do this. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm going to give a little broadcast and shout out, and then I'll um, hit stop recording just for the sake of everyone knowing that, and then you and I can hang for a second. Um, this is for you, and it's for everyone out there listening or nowadays watching this video broadcast of Shut Up and Laugh. Um, when you're out there in between these episodes, please with, surround yourself with everyone that you know and love. More important, especially nowadays, be a witness. Be present. Be real, um, be real to those you care about and love. Why do I ask this of you, Gabriel, and your children? Uh, whoopsie, um, are you kidding me? And oh crap, um, I'm challenging you all to try it because nowadays, especially, sometimes we just need to get together, socially distance or not, and shut up and laugh. Again, Gabriel, you're the best. Thanks, man. Thank you. Go Capital Cougars. <laughs>